Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the Witch's Wheel of the Year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight Sabbaths. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spinning the Wheel Podcast with me, your soggy but inflamed host, Megan Angus. <laughs> um, come on in. Come on in. Uh, welcome back to all of my witches, pagans, and heathens, and those of you who are desperately attempting to understand us. Uh, we appreciate your effort. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> um. Before we get into all of the really cool stuff that we've got going on this week, let's get into, uh, you know, the shill uh, that, <laughs> that I always put at the beginning of the thing. Um, let's see. Our next class and our last class for uh, 2022 is going to be uh, the next Wheel of the Year class, which will be a guide and introduction and uh, romp through Yule, a.k.a. Winter Solstice. And I will be hosting that December 13th, Tuesday, December 13th, uh, on my YouTube channel. This is going to be a live stream. Uh, if you want to join us live, that's wonderful. You can join us in chat and, you know, harangue me <laughs> or attempt to. <laughs> um, if you are wanting more information than what we are going to be talking about in just the lecture itself, uh, you can subscribe to my Patreon. And folks that are subscribed at the uh, Venus level and up, which is $9 a month and up, uh, get access to the Patreon bag of holding, wherein you will find the workbook for Yule, uh, for this year's Yule and the calendar that we reference every week here when we're talking about all of our holy days every week. Uh, it has the heliacal rising for fixed stars. It has the moon uh, phases. It has um, uh, a lot of stuff in it, actually, ever more growing every year. I'm like, I can also add this layer too, right? We can fit that in there at some point. The print is so small that, you know, I kind of have to, <laughs> I have to, I have to, you know, uh, rescind and be like, okay, okay, maybe we can't put that layer of information in. I'll find some other place in the book to put it. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff is my point. Um, and for folks who are wanting to do that work on an even more uh, intimate level, you can join my Patreon at the Sun level, which is $23 a month and higher. Um, this supports my work. Uh, doing this work for free, being able to offer the classes for free, the podcast for free with no ads. Um, and you get uh, seasonal readings with me and folks that join at the Jupiter level and higher, which is $66 a month, um, get half hour readings or hour readings or two hour readings once a month with me, where we can go over your astrology transits, we can pull tarot about issues in your life, uh, we can talk about how the phases of the wheel are manifesting in your world. And uh, side note to all of that stuff. 
Um, a lot of you have been joining. <laughs> I just increased the number of people who can join at those highest levels, but those slots are running out. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be offering more of those slots in the future because they're a lot of work it takes a lot of a uh, lot of energy um to do that work with you guys and i love doing it but it's also like oh my gosh so if it's something that you've been thinking about go check out my patreon see what all is offered there because you get all of the regular stuff plus the readings with me uh every month as a means of me saying thank you for supporting this work and making it possible for me to do this work for free for community um so that's the next class and side note <laughs> uh so I, yeah and so let me actually talk about that for a second um my books for new clients are currently closed uh because they are completely full <laughs> and uh i am only seeing patrons right now um and currently the folks that have priority in uh amongst my patrons are the folks that have those uh higher levels of subscription where you get monthly readings with me uh, and then everybody else and then the general public my books for the general public at this time are probably not going to reopen until february or march um if you want more information about all of that stuff you can go to my website and sign up to my newsletter to uh be alerted when the books reopen um or join my patreon and skip the line as it were uh, but I am also taking a little bit of time off um, because this has been a very full and active year for me. The highs have been quite high. And the lows have been uh, pretty low. <laughs> and uh, I need to just take a little bit of me time. Um, so uh, after the Wheel of the Year class uh, on December 13th, I'm not going to be doing anything else publicly though and i probably will continue to do the weekly podcast um but they might be a little bit shorter for the rest of this year than they have been this previously um and then we'll be back at it again in january i don't know i'm feeling it out we'll see how it all works out but uh my output may be a little diminished <laughs> slash and uh if you are wanting to get a reading with me um either become a Patreon or get in the waiting line to uh, be alerted when my books reopen next year. As I said, um, there's a lot of you now and it's really incredible. And also uh, I need to reorganize my offerings. I need to reorganize what I'm doing to make sure that I'm still offering the best that I can to everyone and um, am open to work with as many of you as I can but still give quality work to everybody that I'm working with. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Um, so all that to say, wow, thanks. Uh, this year has been kind of incredible. <laughs> um, I just got my statistics back um, from my podcast stuff and you know, I'm in the top 5% for this thing and top 10% for that thing. So you all have made this podcast exceptionally uh, uh, um, successful. <laughs> and I'm really, really grateful for that. I'm very, very thankful. Um, and it's leading to bigger and better opportunities for me, which is really cool. And, uh, I can't wait for what we are going to accomplish in 2023. It's going to be radical, ridiculous, witchy, uh, weird and wonderful. Okay. Um, 
last tarot circle of the month, this is the other thing, uh, I was going to teach the last tarot circle of the year as a live class, but instead I am taking some time off. So that is going to be a recorded class that is a guided visualization, guided meditation uh, offering instead. And tarot circle is something that is available to all of my patrons, regardless of what level they are subscribed at as a way of me saying thank you for supporting this work. Um, Patreon starts at a buck. Um, and, uh, you know, all of that money stuff aside, um, if supporting the podcast financially is not reasonable or realistic for you, I get it. Um, please tell a friend, share this on social media, uh, you know, email it to a friend, email it to a loved one or a coworker. Um, that is, uh, one of the most potent ways that you can support the podcast, whatever platform you listen to this on, head over and give it a rating, leave a review. If there is a space to leave a review for the podcast, again, the little robots love that stuff. And that is in many ways more potent support than actual money support. Uh, although money is cool because I pay rent with that and uh, I've tried to pay rent with ratings and my new landlord is just not going for it. So, <laughs> you know, it, different streams of energy for different types of <laughs> effects, right? That's, that's how that works. Um, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the support this year has been really phenomenal and really exciting. And like I said, I can't wait to see what we are going to get up to stirring the old cauldron <laughs> in 2023. Um, okay. Links and all of that stuff are in the description of the podcast for all of the various ways to get a hold of me and work with me. Um, okay. So that's, that's that. That's the show. Uh, that's plenty of that. So now let's get into the actual podcast, shall we? Okay, let's do it. Um, we are in Samhain season, waxing moon in Pisces, lunar week 42. And uh, is that true? Is it lunar week 42? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> it's been a wild year. Um, and to orient us in Samhain season, because we are still in Samhain season, even though we are about to tip into December, um, our major themes for us witches, heathens, and pagans that we are working with during this season are the life-death-rebirth process, fate, and ancestors. And then within that stuff, the ways that those three big ideas might manifest for us during this season are death and transition, the underworld journey, and that's definitely a universal one, and we're going to be working with that uh, outside of Samhain season as well, uh, ancestors and shadow work, also going to carry over into Yule season, purification and protection, rest after labor, because of course we've just metaphorically had the big harvest pulled in during Mabin season, the Sabbath that comes before Samhain, 
a celebration of life. And that's really celebration in the life, celebration of life in the face of death and destruction and chaos, metaphorically and literally these days here on earth. Um, sacrifice, chaos, and shutting down. And a lot of that stuff is um, going to be really prevalent in our holy days that we are dealing with this week. And more so as we get closer and closer to the actual date of winter solstice and Yule season. Um, but I do want to remind you, as we move through December, especially with the great capitalistic machine of the Western world out there, uh, there is this real press for it's winter. It's not yet. We are in the last stages of fall. Don't forget that. So when you're thinking about that, think about the snow that's falling outside because it is here in Seattle. It's been snowing for the last couple of days or the hail or the very cold, wet rain. Um, and think to yourself, these are traces of fall. These are not necessarily traces of winter. Um, they are also traces of winter, but winter is not here yet. We are still in Samhain season. We are still in the season of fall. December and Sagittarius season are not Christmas time, though there is some shared elements there. There's some overlap between the two Sabbaths and the, and the, and the various seasons that we're talking about here. There is some overlap, but this is technically still Samhain season and still autumn, still fall. So just wanted to press that a little bit because I think Sagittarius season sort of just gets swept up into the winter, the winteriness of it all, right? The Christmassy Yule uh, winter solsticiness of it all. But that is technically where Sagittarius ends and Capricorn starts. So Sagittarius sort of carries us to that moment, but it is still Samhain season and fall. Okay. You know, I just wanted to press that a little bit. Um, but these last four weeks of Samhain season are pretty magical. They're pretty incredible because we see a really wild and interesting overlapping of fixed star myth stuff um, and holy days and festivals and celebrations and like various deities that are being celebrated during these last four weeks. It's a really wild mix. It's a really interesting mix because you have death and chaos entities that are like, hey, we're here. We need to be revered or at the very least acknowledged. You need to pay attention. Stuff is happening. Death and chaos. We are here. Um, and at the same time, there are all of these deities, in particular, a variety of goddesses that are stepping forward that are enlightenment deities, deities that literally represent the embodiment of wisdom or truth or law in the face of chaos and these natural systems breaking down, right? So it's a really interesting dichotomy between these two. And the death and chaos entities and elements and archetypes that are stepping forward have a lot of void in their their repertoire, right? They have a lot of no face or gray face about them. Um, 
they have a lot of you can't know me, you can't understand me, I'm just here and this is happening kind of elements to them. And then these enlightenment beings are all about knowing, right? And and naming and and being aware and being enlightened, right? Not just knowledge, but like knowledge that lifts, knowledge that 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 ascends or lifts up. So it's a very interesting mix. And on top of all of that stuff, or buried within it, maybe, um, in the mix of these chaotic deities that represent the void, that represent entropy and things naturally falling apart, and uh, these entities that represent law and truth and knowledge and wisdom and enlightenment are a lot of light and fire deities, as well as many of these deities are the mothers or the progenitrixes or the origins of the solar deities of many of our pantheons who are born at winter solstice. And so there is also this collection of solar deities stepping forward that are about to be born. And many of them are like peeking out at this time, or there are these sort of like pre-funk holidays that are like, get ready, the solar deity is on its way, here they come, check it out, in the midst of death, chaos, dissolution, entropy, all of that stuff, which is frightening and naturally occurring at the same time, right? It's a scary process, and also we know this is going to happen every year. So, or you know, at some point in our cycle, right? If we're thinking of the wheel as a metaphorical practice that we move through on a personal level, we know that there are going to be swings in the pendulum. We know that there are going to be, you know, dips and troughs in on the high seas of life, right? There's going to be moments where we're at the top of the wave and moments when we're at the bottom of the wave. And, um, and, and this is natural. This is, this is the way it, it rolls. So these characters are kind of here for us in this process. And it's a really wild mix. I think maybe if we try to take it all in, it can feel a little overwhelming. And so I think it's really powerful to consider some at some points in Samhain and others at other points in Samhain. But when we can to take a step back and sort of look at the totality of like, who are these entities that are stepping forward right now to assist us in this season and in this process? Because Holy moly, what what a collection of of weirdos that are here to help us. Yes, I am referring to the great gods and goddesses and archetypes as weirdos. <laughs> Please don't strike me down. Or if you do, make it quick. Like <laughs> I have to pay rent soon. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about our moon uh, for this week. Our leading moon for this week, there's actually not a whole lot to say about it. Not a whole, whole lot to say. Um, but it is specifically a waxing moon in Pisces at eight degrees. It's going to be exact at um, 6.36 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, Wednesday the 30th. And um, this moon is... You know, I kind of am thinking of it as like the water of fire, right? The water Pisces of fire Sagittarius season. And we have some interesting stuff happening this week with uh, Neptune, which is the ruling planet of, of Pisces. But mostly what it is to say 
about the what there is to say about this moon, this waxing moon in Pisces, is um, turning our efforts towards good, turning our efforts towards um, uh, charitable acts, mutual aid acts. Uh, in what ways can we sacrifice some of our harvest to the embetterment of the the group? Um, to the to the embetterment of society, to those that are in need around us. Um, you know, what can we like, let's take a moment to assess, you know, everything that we have been able to pull in for ourselves in this harvest and what of it can we share with those around us. And uh, Raven Caldera in Moon Phase Astrology, which, you know, I refer to all the times where I get a lot of the information for our lunar phases also suggests in those acts, watch yourself, uh, as in observe yourself and observe, you know, do you give to the point of hurting yourself? Uh, you know, are you wary about how much you are sharing? Like, what is your meta process when it comes to that stuff? And if that feels like it's work that you need to do, do it. Absolutely. I definitely encourage it more so in some years, but we have had such a hard year. Um, and we you collectively have had such a scary year and there has been there. I think we've been doing that work. I think we have been checking in with ourselves on what are my motivations around, you know, connecting with community, assisting community, asking for help from community, you know, where can I work on, my biases? Where can I work on my hangups around that stuff? I think that we have been having that conversation. Our waxing half moons, well, our half moons, whether they're waxing or waning, are a square. It, the moon is square to the sun. So there is a little friction here. There is a little like about the work, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, it's appropriate for us to A, sacrifice some of our good to the collective or sacrifice some of our harvest to the collective. Yes. And also, um, check your motivations, witness yourself in that process. Where does it feel weird? Where does it feel right? Uh, where do you feel like guilt, you know, around, Oh, I, I should be able to do more or who am I to complain about X, Y, Z when so many people have it worse? Like, you know, have that conversation with yourself, but also witness yourself having that conversation with yourself. Just a little disassociation for a treat, as I like to say here on the podcast, just a little, um, you know, like I said, there's Neptunian stuff happening this week. So we have disassociation on the menu. If you are, if you are hungry for that, we have some ready to go chef special, but, um, but but witness yourself in your pro process and journal about that. Like that's, that's really potent stuff to journal about and reflect on of like, not only what do I think I need to do more of or less of, but how do I go about having that conversation with myself? Am I blamey? Am I mean to myself? Am I generous with myself? Am I hesitant to have this internal dialogue? All of that stuff. It's important. And not to necessarily make any sort of a conclusion either, right? This is an ongoing process that we are in. Just witness yourself in that moment. Okay, that's what's up with the moon uh, Wednesday the 30th. Um, and now I think I'm going to go into the 
astrology and the moon for the rest of the week. Okay, yes. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Just don't look at me like that. Uh, okay, so what else is going on this week with astrology and lunar stuff? Okay, also on this same day, Wednesday the 30th, uh, later in the evening slash the next day for everybody else around the planet, we have Venus in Sagittarius opposing Mars retrograde in Gemini at 18 degrees. Um, this could be, let's talk about what's easy about it. Let's talk about what's hard. It's Mars plus Venus, right? So we have an opportunity for some sexy times. We have an opportunity for some lusty moments, but Mars is retrograde. So maybe not feeling their oats as strongly as they normally would. Um, Venus is in Sagittarius. So very expansive, very like, yes. And about it all. Um, and oppositions can be tough. So could this be a moment for sexy times? Sure. Uh, could also be a moment for, um, having a difficult conversation with people that you're in relationship with or some spicy vibes coming up with people that you are in relationships with. And, oh, I didn't realize you felt that way. Oh, you want to get into it right now, do you? Kind of a moment. Um, Mars in retrograde, you know, is in Gemini. Mars is retrograding through Gemini is actually the appropriate way to say that. And so we already know that there is this phrase, words as weapons, is, you know, kind of floating around in the background. So this Venus-Mars opposition might be a funky conversation, might be a funky argument that sort of seems to almost come out of nowhere. It's just like, whoa, that got real spicy real, real fast. So say what you mean, but also mean what you say. Don't just say something because it sounds smart. Don't just say something because it's like a great gotcha. Um, really watch your words and know that uh, in a moment like this with an opposition like this, sometimes you might say a thing that you think is okay to say. And the other person is like real offended. They, their feelings are very hurt. It's Venus. It's our emotions. So just be aware of that, right? Pisces moon, sacrifice, martyrdom, victimhood, Venus opposing Mars, potential argument in the relationship realm, feelings getting hurt. See where I'm going with all of this. So just, just take it slow, be chill. If you need to have a tough conversation with someone, do it. I'm always going to be in your corner on that, but do it in the most respectful and loving way, respectful to yourself and respectful to the other person that's, or people that are in the conversation. Um, and, you know, be careful be careful not to overdo it and be careful not to say something that like you can't take back later. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Uh, moving on to December 1st, Thursday, December 1st, uh, we have Mercury in Sagittarius square, Neptune retrograde in Pisces at 22 degrees. This is a really fantastic time for confusion, misunderstandings, uh, secrets, misnegotiation, uh, misinterpretation, right? So kind of building on this situation with Venus and Mars the day before, it's like, oh, some stuff got said, and now we roll into the next day. And that stuff might get more 
misunderstood or more cloudy or more hazy as we go through. Basically, I'll say this, the week, well, we're starting on Wednesday, but the week kind of starts out like sort of okay, but it gets a little murky as we go through the week. And then it starts to clear up again as we get into next week. Um, also on this day, we have Venus and Sagittarius sextile Saturn at 19 degrees, uh, Venus and Sagittarius sextile Saturn and Aquarius at 19 degrees. Um, and this can really bring in, even though it's a sextile, some of the heaviness or the duties that are apparent or inherent in our relationship stuff. Um, it can also be an opportunity or a moment where we sort of see the realness, the reality of the relationship that we are in. So again, thinking about the spicy moment the day before, you know, this could be a tough but necessary moment in a relationship of like kind of, you know, coming to Diana, as, as we pagans like to say, of like, okay, I need to get super real about what's going on here. Um, but and uh, the other cool thing about that is that because it's a sextile, there's also a cooling effect uh, Saturn, right. Can cool things down a little bit and bring it back down to the ground, right? Mars wants to be very hot and very like excited about the thing. It's in Gemini. It's very inflated, very abstract and intellectualizing of the, of the stuff. And Venus sextile Saturn here might bring a bit of a heaviness to it, but also a bit of realism to that thing of like, okay, we had this argument yesterday because there's stuff that we need to work on. So let's work on it, right? So what might start out spicy uh, on Wednesday might turn into something that's like, okay, this isn't the most exciting or, or happy moment in our relationship, but it's a necessary moment. And we both are on the same page about working on this thing and being very real about what's going on. And that's always exceptionally helpful. Okay, last thing I'm going to say about the astrology of this day is this. Um, Mar, excuse me, Mercury square Neptune is really good for magical study, uh, spiritual study, and artistic exploration as long as we are very light-handed about it. We're not too committal about anything because, again, it can be easily to get misinformed or confused about things. And so if we're just sort of drifting through information and enjoying it for what it is and just sort of exploring and having a little adventure, that's a great way to approach that stuff. Don't get too, like, committal about anything. And also, um, Venus sextile Saturn is a fantastic day for creativity, artistic expression. Um, and that's a Thursday for us here in Seattle. That's our first Thursday. That's art walk. Um, if you have an art walk in your city uh, or town, it could be a really fantastic day to go explore art and artists and what is happening in the creative scene uh, in your town. If you are a person who buys presents and gifts for people at this time of year, what better shopping adventure than to go check out a bunch of independent artists in their galleries, support makers who are in your local community. Um, and I know that here in Seattle, uh, I know that there's stuff going on for our first Thursday, and I think that there's also things happening over the course of the weekend. I mean, it's December, so there's probably stuff happening every weekend. 
um, our Georgetown arts walk, you know, happens, uh, the, the following week, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, do you have an art walk in your town? Maybe, maybe your town needs an art walk. Maybe that's something you could look into as well. Um, and you know, do, does, does that need your assistance? I don't know. Just planting seeds, people planting seeds. Um, but yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Great day for mystical exploration and artistic exploration and sort of like, you know, bringing in that creative element. Okay, moving on to uh, later on that day, last thing, December 1st, Thursday, the moon moves into Aries. Um, oh, and I'm realizing, see, I'm so scattered lately. I have had so many things going on. I apologize. I really, I swear to God, I'm going to get my shit together. <laughs> I'm realizing now that I didn't talk about a uh, waxing moon in Pisces work. So let me roll it back for one second. Uh, for our lunar body work, when the waxing moon is in Pisces, we are awakening, activating, adorning, and stimulating or preparing for action. The legs, but especially the ankles and the feet. So yes, the pedicure and the foot massage are a holy act right now. Um, as I say every week, I am not a doctor of the human corpus. I am a doctor of the cauldron and the athame. <laughs> I am a doctor of the pentangle. Um, so if you're wanting to integrate any of the uh, health uh, suggestions or body suggestions in this, check with your trusted health advisor. Um, you can always, of course, work with the metaphor. So where are you walking? Uh, where are you? What metaphorical path are you on? that might be something for consideration with the waxing moon in Pisces. And for our plant body work, we are doing a variety of things, but there is a type of focus on planting, transplanting, and grafting uh, for annual flowers and fruit and veg that bear crops above ground. But again, we are deep into Samhain season. We are headed towards winter. Um, and so if you're doing any of that stuff, obviously it is going to be for the winter time uh, veg and fruit that bear crops at this time of year um, and not the regular stuff. Okay. Uh, then, as I said, the moon moves into Aries, which we will talk about more in just a day or two. Uh, Friday the 2nd, nothing of note occurs. So let's move on to Saturday the 3rd, um, where we have the gibbous moon at 27 degrees of Aries at 10.08 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Later in the day, basically the next day for everybody else around the planet. And when we are working with this waxing moon in Aries, it's nearly full, not quite. It's the stage before that. It's nearly full. We're starting to pick up some momentum in our process. And remember, we're within Sagittarius season. We've just had the Sagittarius new moon last week. We just had Jupiter, Sagittarius's ruling planet, stationed direct after four months of being retrograde. Um, and so this new moon in Aries is our first fiery, or not new moon, excuse me, this gibbous moon in Aries is our first fiery moon uh, after all of that stuff. And... Um, this new moon or this, I don't know why I keep saying new moon, this moon, give us moon, uh, is really encouraging us to stretch ourselves, to take on or be open to risky adventure. 
And, you know, don't sue me, right? Let me say that. First off, don't go ice skating on a broken ankle or something stupid. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Um, but risky could be that you think you're not going to like it. Risky could be, um, I hate the psychological challenge of learning new things. I'm going to try to learn something new, right? Risky could just be that it forces you out of your comfort zone in one way or another. So really think about all of the ways that you might work with that idea. But this gibbous moon in Aries is really encouraging of that. And again, we're in Sagittarius season. This whole season is about opening ourselves up and expanding our understanding of things and reaching for the far horizon. So let this gibbous moon in Aries really like add some momentum to whatever that process is for you right now um, in, in the midst of Samhain season. Uh, you know, it could be that you are reaching for the far horizon and deepening your understanding and pushing yourself into some uncomfortable places around chaos and dissolution and what comes after that. And how is enlightenment found in uh, dark, scary places? Um, how is... Uh, how do we go up when we're going down? Right? That kind of thing. It could be a lot of that stuff. I don't know how it's going to manifest exactly for you, but let me know in the comments. <laughs> also on this day, um, we have Neptune stationing direct at 22 degrees of Pisces. So side note to the side note, um, the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto literally spend five to six months of the year in retrograde or direct. So the fact that those outer planets are in retrograde or that they are stationing direct or whatever, or that they are direct or that they are retrograde, I don't care so much about what direction they're in. Um, and a lot of astrologers don't care about the days that they station direct or station retrograde. I tend to pay attention to them. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I find that on days when Neptune is stationing direct or stationing retrograde here, it's stationing direct, uh, things can get a little extra confusing and we may need to slow down a little bit, read the fine print, ask someone else to read the fine print. Um, maybe not the best day to sign a contract, maybe not the best day to um, confirm the the super complicated details of a thing, that stuff. If, if it can wait a day or two, let it, let it wait. Um, also, I'll say this when it comes to Neptune stuff, there can be some disassociation and we've got other Neptune things happening this week. Um, there can be a little disassociation with the body because Neptune is very nebulous. It's very cosmic. It's very spacey. It's very spiritual. And so it's like, who needs a physical body? What, who cares about that? So you may really be, uh, super just sloggy that day. You might just be like, I'm laying on the couch in my onesie all day long and that's it. <laughs> like I'm going to eat two things, uh, a, a, you know, a, st a carrot stick and like a half a donut and that's it. So I'm reminding you lovingly now, drink some water, have a few full meals, you know, like whatever that means for you. Um, maybe take a shower, maybe change your clothes, move your body a little bit on that day. Just, just touch in, know that you may have a propensity to really leave the body on this day. So do what you can to stay grounded in that process. 
Um, and then later in the day slash the next day for everybody else, um, we have happening simultaneously uh, Venus in Sagittarius square Neptune in Pisces at 22 degrees and the sun in Sagittarius trine Chiron retrograde in Aries at 12 degrees. Um, potent moment there, in my opinion. Um, when we're dealing with the Venus and Neptune situation, uh, it can be a little too much fantasy in our relationships, seeing our relationship situations through rose colored glasses, considering that there's kind of like a tense moment in relationship earlier in the week. Is this a moment where we're like, I just want things to be nice. And we're sort of glossing over some hard work that needs to be done. Um, and then with that sun trine Chiron, uh, that could be there to lend us some strength in that process. And, you know, the sun has had a, a variety of interactions with Chiron throughout the year, and they're always around our sacred wound. And because Chiron is in Aries and is, has been for some time, is going to be for some time, it's about our sense of self. It's about how we see ourselves in the world or in various situations, in various relationships. And this is the closing trine, if I'm not mistaken, uh, between um, the sun and Chiron. And so it's an opportunity to kind of reflect on where have I been and where am I? in my conversation with myself about myself and my wounds that I've experienced in this lifetime, the things that have really affected me on a personal level have shaped me on a personal level through trauma, through hardship. And what have I done with that stuff? Right. And then where am I currently in that conversation with myself around all of that stuff? Um, uh, you know, the, the, the interactions between the sun and Chiron are always challenges to who we think we are. And so this trine is kind of a loving moment where we can assess like, what work have I done on that stuff? Where have I been able to uncover my biases? Where have I been able to call myself out on my own bullshit? Um, you know, how far have I come in really having a better and clearer vision of who I am in the world and who I really want to be in the world. And again, it's a trying, so it's really loving. It's like, yes, we're all, we're all on the same page in having this conversation. Um, coming back a little bit to that Venus square Neptune, there's a lot of daydreaming opportunity and again, a lot of artistic opportunity. So this might be a really cool moment to write poetry to yourself about yourself in this process or make a piece of art or start a piece of art that is a visual description of things that words maybe fail to describe in terms of your process of unveiling yourself to yourself and calling yourself out on your own bullshit and also understanding how your wounds and your traumas have informed how you see yourself and how you carry yourself in the world and where that's hindered you and where that's helped you all of that stuff just real light things again so it's, it's always casual right so it's always super casual stuff no big deal um 
but that's that's the work that I think we're being invited into um, with all of these Neptunian transits this week is sort of to like move into the places that have a hard time talking. And, you know, Mars is there um, in Gemini. Venus is there in Sagittarius. And, uh, you know, and those two planets are opposing in opposing signs. And so it's like, how do I find the words to describe this experience? What are my feelings around this? Um, and, and then, you know, December 1st, we also have Mercury in Sagittarius in that mix as well. How do I find words around this? What's my vocabulary for this? Or maybe where do words fail? And I need to rely on, on tools like my artistic expression to be able to explore these places in myself. Okay. Uh, Sunday, the fourth, the moon moves into Taurus. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, then we have Monday the 5th and very late in the day on Monday, the 5th slash the next day for everybody else around the planet, we have Mercury in Sagittarius square Jupiter in Pisces at 29 degrees. Um, and this is setting us up for some cool stuff in my opinion. Um, so last week we talked about Jupiter doing all sorts of fancy things and um, really giving us an opportunity to look at what hasn't been working and what has been working, but in both arenas, what needs to be let go of to invite in space for even bigger successes next year. Um, and we've had that, we had that new moon in Sagittarius. So really great time to sort of open up to the optimism of yes, we can, uh, we can make this happen. Good stuff is around the corner. The pendulum always swings in the, again and again and again. <laughs> um, so, you know, what can we do here to sort of clear the way, uh, to, to invite in whatever is coming. Mercury square Jupiter, generally speaking, is a really great opportunity for working on the big plans, the big picture, the long-term goals. Um, uh, it's not super great for working on little details and like dealing with the fine print and like parsing out all the granular steps of the thing, not on this day. Um, you know, Mercury wants to go really fast and Jupiter wants to take in everything. And so we're going to miss little details. So let's not worry about the little details of the plan on this day. On this day, it's about sketching out like what, what do you want 2023 to look like in total? It's a, a fantastic day for that. Um, if there's anything that I want to say that's like, be careful because it's a square is watch your arrogance, right? Jupiter gets really optimistic to the point of being very full of itself. Um, and Mercury can get real like zippy to the point of, I don't need to pay attention to the details. I'm a genius. Um, and so, you know, just watch your arrogance there, but invite in optimism instead in place of like, in place of like thinking that you've got it all figured out, be invite in optimism that if there are, when there are problems, when there's a hitch in the get along, you'll be able to figure it out. That's a, that's a more healthy attitude, I think, to work with that, uh, transit. And then last but not least, uh, Tuesday, the sixth at uh, two in the afternoon, Pacific standard time later in the day for everybody else. Um, we have Mercury, uh, changing signs and leaving Sagittarius and moving into Capricorn. 
And this is really grounding, stabilizing manifestation energy. Um, Mercury in Capricorn is very methodical. It's rational. It's reasonable. It's very sober in its approach to things. Um, and it's very realistic. And so it is a awesome follow-up to the transit from the day before, you know, which we'll still be sort of feeling a, a few traces of, uh, between the fifth and the sixth, you know, Mercury square Jupiter is like, wow, let's look at the big plan. Let me get my big blueprint in place. And then Mercury rolling into Capricorn the very next day is like, cool. And now let me get very real and grounded and mature about what actually I think I can accomplish, what parts of this might be a little too fantastic, but we're not going to erase them. <laughs> but, but, you know, what parts of this can I, can I really see? And like, where can I get very realistic about what, what could be happening in this big plan? I love it. I think it's a really cool thing. Um, the, the stuff that's going to be the most essential to our blueprint may be really obvious for us on this day. Um, what I, the phrase I wrote down was find the structure in the fantasy. Uh, so, you know, the fantasy might be the day before and really all, all of these Neptune transits that we're having all week. Um, but this moment of Mercury moving into Capricorn is like, cool, let me find the architecture. Let me find the structure or the skeleton of the fantasy. And let me kind of hone in on that. And then we'll flesh it out as we go. Okay. Um, I think I forgot to mention Sunday, the fourth, the moon moves into Taurus and, uh, Tuesday, the sixth, the moon moves into Gemini, uh, side note to the side note of the side note. Um, one of the lunar elements that I have not talked about in the past because I've felt like it might be too confusing is when the moon is void of course. And what does that mean? Uh, what that is, is an astrological term slash, maybe it's an astronomical term as well. But what it indicates is a space in the lunar uh, process that happens multiple times throughout the month. Uh, it happens every couple of days, really, um, where the moon has made an aspect to a planet and then it's not going to make another aspect to a planet before it changes signs so at times the the moon being void of course might last for like an hour and a half or two hours or three hours at other times the moon's void of course moment can be you know a day or more, um, just because of where the moon is versus where all the planets are in the sky. It's not going to hit another planet for a minute. Um, and a lot of people who do lunar magic or who pay very close attention to the lunar process, they pay very close attention to when the moon is void of course, and they don't do stuff during those times. Um, again, as I said, most of the time you're talking about a gap of like an hour and a half, three hours, five hours, maybe, you know, it's like a portion of a day and then the moon changes signs and we're good. 
the void of course moment ends and we're we're on to the next thing um i would love to know if you guys want me to include that information next year as we go through um because of course as you know even though i've been doing this for almost two years now i still think of this as a bit of an experiment and i'm still trying to figure out exactly what should be here what's too much what's not enough you know where the emphasis should lie all of that stuff so um you know if that's something that's like you're like yeah i would love that piece of information throw a comment in somewhere send me an email whatever if you're thinking to yourself like good lord there's already so much stuff in this podcast i don't know if i can handle another layer of information that would be really confusing to me i'd love to know that too um you know, and while you're there sending me a comment or leave, you know, send me an email or whatever, I would love to know, you know, of the various forms that this podcast has taken over the last two years, has there been a form that's really your favorite? Do you like the way I'm doing it now? Have you liked something previously in the past? Do you wish I would talk about something else more or something else a little bit less or integrate the information in different ways? Um, because I'm, I'm exploring as well with you guys. Uh, though I have been studying this information for a long time, I'm still discovering what are all of the ways that I can present this information to you and make it make sense and make it be something that is not just interesting theoretically, but interesting and actionable. Um, God knows I love to talk. That's no secret. <laughs> I think that's readily apparent. Um, but I also like to talk about things that are useful. <laughs> I like to give information that's interesting and enlightening and inspiring, but also stuff that is something you can utilize in your day-to-day -day practice. Um, and I have discovered, weirdly, that less is more sometimes when it comes to, I, you know, I'm a Sagittarius, right? Uh, my ruling planet is Jupiter, so as far as I'm concerned, more is more forever. Um, but turns out that a lot of people actually do better with a little bit less information and then they know they they can find their way through it and find an action plan so that's 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 all i just, <laughs> just curious um on like what makes sense to you and and what is usable for you what feels good void of course information uh for the lunar process each week is that more is more and you're wanting it or does that feel like it would be too much slash what else would you like me to be talking about or what forms etc okay that's enough of that uh let's now get on to um oh see here again i'm so scattered it's i have had a sinus thing going on for weeks and i, I it's really affecting the way i'm thinking i tested for covid it's not covid um but Good Lord. Aries lunar body work, awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, preparing for action. The head, the hair, the scalp, eyes, sinuses. Hello. Here we are. Uh, <laughs> so yes, uh, the hot oil treatment for your hair is a holy act. Uh, your neti pot is a holy tool for you uh, towards the end of this week. Um, and uh, for our plant body work, harvesting, pest control, disease control, plowing, weeding, pruning, for above ground growth. Um, we've talked about harvesting. Your mileage may vary. Follow your instinct. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, as the weather continues to shift, 
definitely check your indoor and outdoor plants. If you have outdoor plants, um, check your indoor and outdoor plants for insects. Um, is it okay that they are nesting? Or do you want to discourage that, right? Maybe it's kind to allow some insects to kind of do their thing in your garden as its growth cycle wanes, or is this something that needs to be taken care of before we go into winter, you know, um, slash indoor. Um, but also check for diseases and, you know, mold, mildew, that type of stuff as the heaters come on and the climate in your house changes, the humidity changes, those types of things. Um, all of that stuff. Very important. Okay. Go me. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay. We are now going to talk about our uh, fixed stars and our holy days for this week. All right. Looking through our heliacal risings of fixed stars this week and our holy days, rolling back to Wednesday the 30th, um, this is a day in some systems that is dedicated to the goddess Ma Wu from the Dahomey mythology. Um, the Dahomey are uh, a group of Yoruba land people uh, in Africa, and Ma Wu is an incredible goddess. Um, she's uh, a West African earth mother creator goddess associated with both the sun and the moon. Um, she is a goddess of the night, joy, motherhood, as well as the ruler of the world's wisdom and knowledge. So here again, we have another uh, archetype or deity who is a mother, right? We've already had, but also an embodiment of uh, truth and wisdom and knowledge. Um, Ma Wu's themes are creativity, universal law, passion, abundance, birth, and um, inspiration. Her symbols are clay and the moon, because clay is what she is going to form beings out of. Um, and she's often depicted um, arriving or riding on an elephant's back, but she's also often depicted with a serpent. Um, so uh, I, I love that one of her elements is clay and interacting with this goddess or archetype can take the form of literally putting uh, unformed clay on your altar um, or taking some clay and beginning to form a shape or form something in honor of her and her power uh, on this week that has so much emphasis on artistic expression of our inner spiritual world we love, right? <laughs> That's how that works. Um, but also that she is depicted with the serpent, that she is a truth goddess, and that she is a creatrix or a progenitrix goddess. So Mawu ties in with, you know, so much of the other stuff that we're talking about this week. And perhaps, you know, given, given what we know about, um, the the African deities is maybe a precursor to a lot of the other stuff that we're talking about in our Western systems. Um, also on this day, um, and I'm just going to mention this briefly, uh, this is also the holy day for St. Andrew the Apostle. And what I want to mention about him is specifically that he is, uh, he oversees the patronage of fishermen, fishmongers, um, miners or excuse me mariners and other like seafaring sea workers um in this week of our piscean uh energy 
Okay, that's literally all I want to say about St. Andrew. Um, but what I will say as a side note is just about every time we are talking about a saint, we are talking about an entity that has supplanted a pagan entity that came previously to them. So within the stories of the saints, almost always are embedded truths about a pagan person or a pagan deity that came before them that was subsumed into that saint. Uh, you know, just a little, a little thing that the Catholic church does every now and then. All right. Moving on to December 1st, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Han. And what I think is interesting about this star, uh, it is found in Ophiuchus again. Uh, this is the uh, left knee of Ophiuchus, the serpent holder. And so it's bringing in a lot of the energy and information that we've already talked about in the last couple of weeks with Ophiuchus. Um, and this being uh, a protector being or a warrior of some type or a medicine person of some type um, who wields uh, and knows how to deal with something that provides both pain and wisdom at the same time, uh, poison and medicine at the same time. Um, a serpent handler also reflecting back to Mawu having a holy day this week as being a deity often seen handling serpents. Um, and in one of the things I noted about this that I think is very interesting is that Kabbalists often associate this fixed star with the Hebrew letter Oin, O-I-N, and uh, the tarot card, the tower, the lightning struck tower, which of course is the planet Mars, who is playing a role in our work on this week, right? Literally the day before we have Venus opposed Mars. Um, and also specifically one of the names of the tower is the lightning struck tower. And lightning is something that is important to some of the deities that we work with this work with this week. So there's an interesting connection there symbolically amongst all of the all the stuff. Um, but otherwise, that's all I have to say about Han. Um, generally speaking, not looked at as like a star that brings a lot of help and and happiness. Uh, kind of a bad luck thing, but you know I, I'm I'm generous with the idea of bad luck. Um, but anyways, discovering, you know, the healing and the, the poison in the serpent. Once again, we're touching on that, that uh, uh, energy or that information or that concept as we have talked about uh, in the past. Okay, briefly, because we're not talking about all of the holy days this week by far. Um, December 1st is World AIDS Day. This is a global... Um, day of remembrance and reverence and observance of the many, many, many thousands of people who have died of AIDS and the many, many thousands of people who are living beautiful, successful lives with AIDS um, and recognizing all of the wild shit that has gone into that for those folks. Also on this day, we have a day of Minerva from our Roman friends and ancestors. Um, and Minerva is yet another goddess who is an embodiment of truth, wisdom, law, as we've, you know, carrying through from a lot of that from last week into this week. And we're going to see it throughout Sagittarius season, these goddesses and these archetypes that represent um, and are sort of embodiments of 
law, and truth. Um, but also on this day, from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have a festival called Poseidia. And from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Tiberinus. And Poseidia is Poseidon. This whole month is named for Poseidon. Um, there is very little historical record around exactly what is happening with Poseidia. Um, and same with the Feast of Tiberius, um, or Tiberianus, excuse me. Um, this was dedicated to the river Tiber. Um, and so we have these water deities here within this week of uh, our waxing moon in, in Pisces. Um, but outside of that, we don't know a whole lot about these two holidays or what exactly was going on with them. Um, lots of conjecture on why these two water elements are important on these days or at this time of year. Uh, but we, we don't know. But I just wanted to mention them being that we are in the watery week of Sagittarius and these are falling on those days. Okay. Uh, also on this day, we have the day of red Tara from our Buddhist friends and ancestors. Um, there are many, many different Taras, but red Tara carries an energy about them. That is very warrior, like very fiery, very in league with our Sagittarius energy. Um, really cool stuff. December 2nd, uh, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Antares. Antares is found in the constellation Scorpio. Um, it's right in the heart of Scorpion, Scorpio. And the name Antares literally means anti-Aries. And there's a couple of opinions why it has this name. One of the opinions is that it was literally a rival of the planet Mars because their colors are so similar. Other folks think that they are rivals because uh, the constellation Aries is way, way far out on the Western horizon and, and absolutely going down as this portion of Scorpio is coming up. Um, and so the, everything that the Aries constellation represents is sort of being suppressed and pushed into the underworld as the massive constellation of Scorpio continues to ascend in the sky. Could be that. Could be, you know, whatever. Interesting uh, imagery there to explore is what I would say. Uh, Antares is one of the 15 Behenian fixed stars. Uh, it is often imaged as a man armed with a coat of mail, but it's also seen as a scorpion. And I'm going to read a little bit from uh, the Astrology King website where I get a lot of my information about fixed stars. It's a pretty cool uh, website. I don't agree with everything that this guy says, but he does a really good job on historical research, and I do like that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but I do like that. So this is from Astrology King. The prime star of Scorpio is Antares, a name meaning rival to Mars. In the night sky, it's often more visible than Mars itself. In Babylon, it was Urbat, U-R-B-A-T, Urbat. In the asterism, Horus, divine protector. And asterism is sort of, it's kind of like a constellation. The Babylonian title brings us to this star's role as one of the four archangel stars. Uh, Fomalhaut is Gabriel, Aldbaran is Michael or Michael, Regulus is Raphael or Raphael, and now Antares is 
Uriel, U-R-I-E-L. So literally there in the name, uh, kind of hearkening back to the Babylonian name for this fixed star, Urbat. Going forward, the city of Ur, U-R, where Abraham is said to have been born, is said to have been the first city built after the Great Disaster, a.k.a. the Great Flood, and was given the name of Earth itself, Urs, U-R-S. And we see Urs showing up in a couple of other important uh, uh, constellations and stars and such throughout the sky. That city stood close to the site of later Babylon itself, which is not too far from the modern Baghdad. Uriel, the archangel not mentioned in the sacred texts made available to the public, was the one who held the secret knowledge of the great disaster and only revealed it to those judged able to accept it and still believe in the divine goodness in all that befalls us. Again, this is so very Scorpio in nature that one cannot miss or deride its ring of truth. Uh, and I, I just thought I, I didn't even want to, you know, interpret or change anything about what he has to say there because I think it's a very straightforward thing. Um, you know, it's it's really in this fixed star is sort of saying like the ugliness of the world, right? And here we are in Samhain season watching the world fall apart. We're watching, you know, the great disaster, quote unquote, that happens every year. And in that we are sort of charged with this knowledge um, and sort of protecting the knowledge that it will get better. The sun will come back um, that, you know, that this, the, this destruction is a part of the natural order of things and there will be a growth cycle that follows it and a destruction cycle that follows that and a growth cycle that follows that. And can you handle that is a lot of what this fixed star is sort of pointing to. Um, can you deal with that there will be rises and falls and rises again and falls again and rises again and falls again? Can you hold on to the light? Remember last week we we had that really beautiful metaphor shining through around the light in the darkness. This, I think, is speaking very strongly to that idea as well. Here in the midst of Sagittarius season, the light in the darkness, the fire in the midst of the, the, the waning year, that stuff, just that stuff. Really, really cool. I, I couldn't not talk about it because um, it was just a little, a little too on the nose. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving to Saturday the 3rd, the only thing I want to mention here is uh, from our Roman friends and ancestors, a holiday called Lux Mundi, which is literally the light of the world. Lux Mundi is a name that uh, some branches of Catholicism will use to refer to Jesus, who is born, what was it? December 25th, right? Yeah, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Um, so that thing, right? We're now beginning to see the very beginning as we step into the start of December, um, the light in the darkness. This idea sort of being repeated over and over again. Can you handle the darkness? And can you handle the truth about the darkness? And also remember that the light is there in the darkness as well. Okay, moving on to Sunday the 4th. 
We have our last heliacal rising uh, for the week, and this is the fixed star Al-Waid. This is found in the constellation Draco or Draconis. Um, And it is uh, usually thought of as the dragon's eye. The traditional name for this fixed star is Rastaban, which comes from the Arabic phrase Raz Ath Thuban, which means the head of the serpent. Um, And Al-Waid, which is from the Arabic meaning who is to be destroyed. But it also can mean the loot player. (laughs) Kind of random. Um, But the, you know, again, directly from the Astrology King website, the implication is this. Open up this head full of knowledge and we really do have the key to our ills and the healing of them. Uh, and, you know, this message is is repeated over and over again through the various constellations and, and fixed stars that we are traveling through, whether it's Draco or Scorpio or Ophicius or Sagittarius even. There's this sense of the the we are in the dark and the light is here. Can you find it? In the midst of... Uh, things falling down around you, can you retain your sense of charity, your your sense of mutual aid, your sense of love, your sense of connectivity to the people around you? As things get spookier and scarier and harder, um, can you remember what happens next? Can you remember that we're in a cycle um, and that the wheel continues to turn? Um, and what is the wisdom that you are extracting from these difficult experiences, which speaks very tightly, I think, to our sun trine Chiron that we're having this week. What is the wisdom that you are extracting from the painful experiences that you have gone through or are going through? That stuff, you know, and can can you kind of keep yourself in the midst of that process? Oh, oh, this is why I'm crazy. (laughs) This is why I have a lot of stuff going on in my mind. Okay. Also on this same day, uh, we have venerations for St. Barbara. We have venerations for um, uh, the um, deity Shango uh, from our Yoruba land, friends and ancestors. And Shango, number one thing, lightning. Big time. Uh, St. Barbara, absolutely connected to lightning. Uh, In a lot of places, those deities are... Um, recognized at the same time. In fact, on this day, um, December 4th, we have a lot of holy days. Uh, From our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the country Dionysia. Um, And I'm just going to mention this briefly because of some other stuff that's coming up in the next couple of days. Um, This is basically a, a, a festival dedicated to a version of Dionysus that was celebrated by the people who lived in the countryside, not in the cities. Um, there are four parts to the Dionysia that happen throughout the year for uh, the Greek pastoral societies um, where they basically see Dionysus in the four seasons. And so this is the wintry version of Dionysus. Uh, we have an Agonalia for Jupiter Indiges, uh, who is basically Jupiter rising, Jupiter, uh, Jupiter the ascending, um, Jupiter, a.k.a. Zeus, a.k.a. You know, here comes the light of the world coming back again. Um, And also on this day, we have from our Orthodox Catholic um, or Orthodox Christian friends and ancestors, the presentation of Mary, which is also 
known as uh, Mary Theotokos. The word Theotokos literally means to give birth to a god. The one who gives birth to God or a god. Um, so a deep iteration or uh, um, not iteration, a deep echo here of again these goddesses, these archetypes, these entities and deities who are giving birth to uh, the solar deity who's about to show up in another couple of weeks. All right, moving on to December 5th, one of my personal favorite deities, entities, I don't know if this character really qualifies as a deity, but well, well, what the fuck ever, it's Krampus knocked, people. It's time for Krampus. Krampus! Okay. <laughs> From Wikipedia. Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure in Central and Eastern Alpine folklore who, during the Christmas season, scares children who misbehave. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let me regain myself here. Um, Krampus, to me, is wonderful, but also a really cool amalgamation of a whole bunch of the stuff that we're talking about at this time of year. A wintertime entity um, who rewards well-behaved kids with presents, punishes the bad, quote-unquote, um, is there to scare us, right? So there's these elements that we know of being connected to Samhain in terms of candies and gifts. There's elements connected to Samhain in terms of chaotic entities that are coming to frighten us or shock us or, um, you know, motivate us in some way towards right action, quote unquote. Um, and then there are also Yuletide uh, elements to Krampus, gift giving, um, reward punishment based on behavior, um, and showing up here at winter. Krampus is sort of the partner to St. Nicholas, who has their holy day the very next day, December 6th. Um, but Krampus is connected to a lot of stuff. Um, I've written about Krampus a little bit on my website, and I'll probably write more about this character. But, uh, you know, it was sort of this carrying over of we're still dealing with these chaotic elements. They're not going away. Um, and so can we find room for them? Um, you know, where, what exactly does Krampus represent? And can we make room for that stuff in our lives? Back to that thing again of like, what's the poison in the medicine? What's the medicine in the poison? Uh, and, and sort of, you know, moving back and forth between those two swings on the pendulum or those two places in in, in our spiritual practice. Um, so anyways, Krampus, Krampus, Krampus. Hell yeah, Krampus. Okay. <laughs> also December 5th, we have a feast day for St. Lucia. Um, a uh, Ultimately, Lucia connects us back to the word um, Lucy, which connects us back to the word or name Lucifer, the deity of light. <laughs> um, so St. Lucia is another light bringer. Uh, at this time of year. And then also from our Greek uh, friends, excuse me, our Roman friends and ancestors, we have a multi-day festival that starts here at December 5th um, called Consuelia. And this was a, uh, a festival in honor of a deity named Consus, who is a, 
a tutelary deity of the harvest and stored grain. Um, and so we have this happening on this day, the day before we have the country Dionysia, which I think are basically reflections of each other, right? Who is Dionysus at this time of year? It's the stored grain or he, they are the stored grain, right? They are the slumbering earth and the things that we have been able to harvest from the earth uh, before heading into winter. There's a whole bunch of stuff about horses too that connect back to the Poseidia and feast of Tiberinus, um, which I'm not going to get into, but there's a bunch of stuff about horses as well, connecting all of these uh, holidays strangely. Um, but yeah, Consuelia. Um, and, uh, it also connects to the goddess ops. It connects to, uh, the goddess Ceres, of course, because those are our grain goddesses and our abundance vegetation goddesses that we're working with. So that's also happening on this day. And then wrapping up the week on December 6th, we have St. Nicholas's Day from our Catholic friends and ancestors, but it's almost a global thing. Sort of, you know, St. Nicholas, yet another iteration of Santa Claus um, or Father Christmas or uh, Jack Frost or any of those various winter to uh, dead moros who we talked about a couple weeks ago. All of those deities are sort of these, you know, bearded characters that are coming along in big fuzzy robes and doing wintry stuff. Um, and then from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the Temple of Tellus and uh, associated lecturnium for Ceres. Um, lectisternium, excuse me, for Ceres. So here is Ceres now is being called out directly. Tellus is also Tellus Matter or Telemater, um, who both are, uh, Tellus is literally the Mother Earth. So we're starting off our week honoring um, from our Dahomey friends and ancestors, uh, the goddess Mawu, an earth goddess who literally, you know, molds the world into being. And we're ending our week uh, with Consuelia and these holidays dedicated to Ceres, Tellus, um, and Ops, these goddesses of the earth and literal production and creation on planet earth. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but you know, that's how we do things here. <laughs> okay. Um, so now let us take a brief look at our um, tarot for the week and our magic for the week. Alrighty. Um, our tarot card for this week, I'm skipping around a little bit because I can, because it's my podcast and I'll do whatever I want it. Okay. Uh, we are going to work with the nine of wands this week, or that's what I encourage you to work with this week. The nine of wands, uh, is part of the trilogy of cards that we work with during Sagittarius season and a trilogy of minor arcana, I guess I should say. And, um, it is the moon in Sagittarius. And since we're having such a watery week, I felt like that made sense for us. Um, in the Smith Waite deck, we see a wall of wands, and standing in front of that wall is a person who has a bandaged head, and they are clutching their wand. And I think in a lot of folks' interpretation of this card, which is totally fair, there is a sense of wariness, there's a sense of defensiveness, um, a sense of like, holy moly, I have been through a battle and I am not too certain about things and I'm a little beat up from what I've experienced. 
And I think that that sits really nicely with a lot of our astrology that we have this week. Again, kind of coming back to, even though there's, you know, all that stuff happening with Neptune, um, coming back to the sun trying Chiron, a big part of our work this week is like kind of thinking about what have we been through um, and how has that affected us, right? Um, but then thinking about our fixed star work that we are doing at this time, there is this insistence in the last few weeks and this week as well of what is the medicine that you have received from this poison. And turning again to Tarot Wisdom by Rachel Pollock, um, I want to read a little bit of what she has to say about this card because I think it's really cool. Um, I think it's easy to look at the bandage on this person's head and just think they've been damaged, they're fighting, um, and this card is all about hardship and this call, card is all about like warrior stuff. But something that I re reinforce in my classes, if you've done any tarot study with me, you know that I always say that there are five ways that we can look at any card. There is the neutral, the positive, the negative, the easy, and the hard. And the neutral point of the card is always going to be like the golden thread that should run through the other four. Um, and so kind of coming around to this card from a more neutral or a more positive standpoint, right? Let, let's, let's look at what all, um, Rachel Pollock has to say about this. Um, she is reminding us that nine is a number of completion, um, because it is both the last single digit and because of the nine months of pregnancy, which is an interesting metaphor to work with. Um, obviously not everybody can get pregnant, but nine being a number of completion in that it's the last of the single digit numbers. Sure. We can work with that. Um, and so moving on, she says, uh, notice the, as well, the bandage on the head, the psychic wound of defensiveness. And I think that, you know, kind of connects to a lot of our imagery this week. We have um, our gibbous moon in Aries. Aries connects us to the head. Um, and so, you know, this is a person that has to, has had to fight for a long time and now cannot let go or trust people, or maybe they feel like they shouldn't, or they're very wary of doing that. Um, but from the book, but is this really the fulfillment of fire? Might we instead see some result of all that exuberance or simply the love of life expressed fully, freed from issues that would hold it back? If we think of the nine as the completion of a process, what would be born out of fire? And that connects deeply to a lot of our archetypal entity work we think of all of these enlightenment goddesses that are uh, embodiments of wisdom and truth and philosophical practices, spiritual truth, uh, you know, the, the Gnostic sense of enlightenment, and, and all of that is very fiery, the, the, the fire of the soul type stuff, right? And these are the deities that are overseeing the birth of the solar deity at winter solstice. So that thing. If we're thinking of this process as like, I have been through some shit, um, but also I am coming to a type of completion, what can be born out of this fire? Um, if we think of the fire of imagination, 
the Nine of Wands becomes highly creative and inspired. Uh, so, uh, you know, she goes on to say that this can be card. This can be a card of fulfillment of energy, creativity, excitement, and inspiration. Uh, and I absolutely love that. Again, I think that this is a card just because of the Smithway image, where a lot of us can fall into the default of oh, wow, this is a card reflecting on we've had a really hard time and this is a moment where we're like wary of going forward. And yes, but and, right? Thinking about um, our fixed stars that we're working with this week, like, um, you know, the, that star that's connecting us to Uriel, uh, Antares. Um, this is, you know, can we... Uh, have the great destruction revealed to us uh, and still believe in the divine goodness in all that befalls us. That thing. So I think that this is a, a really cool helper uh, in that process, a really cool image to sort of ground into this card of like, yeah, we've been through some dark times, but is that going to inform our future? Are we going to allow that to inform our future or can we keep uh the light in us right are we going to be influenced solely by the poison or can we remember that there is medicine in the poison that thing it's it is abstract it, it is existential um and that's also a lot of what we're doing in sagittarius season is we're sort of you know moving through those kinds of concepts and and that kind of a relationship with this material okay and for our magic for this week, um, I think that doing journaling and processing around all of this stuff is really potent. Um, you know, again, moving through our lunar work, doing mutual aid work this week, looking through what you've been able to harvest and seeing how can you share that uh, with your community is going to be holy act this week. Um, pushing yourself into... Uh, you know, out of your comfort zone is a holy act this week. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that absolutely can fall under sacrifice that can fall under, you know, inviting in a little bit of chaos, right? Very in league with our Samhain stuff. Um, and as we move towards the full moon, I think um, that another practice, because this is a full moon in Gemini, it's a little spicy, but there's also some interesting stuff. So, you know, it's okay. Uh, a spell that you might work with um, to create a divinatory tool for yourself going forward is, um, and I think I learned this from Scott Cunningham. This is definitely not something I invented. I read this somewhere. I think it's Scott Cunningham. Um, take a bowl. A dark bowl is better but not necessary. Take a bowl, fill it with water and go outside and catch the moon's reflection on the surface of the water. Now you can just do this and you can sit and watch the reflection of the moon in the surface of the water as a divining tool all by itself. Watery. It's in alignment with Pisces. We love. Okay. Um, and then pour that water out, uh, onto your, you know, plants or whatever, or you can bottle that water 
as charged moon water. Uh, you want to do this up to the full moon and even on the full moon. We'll talk about it more next week. But um, but also another thing that you can do is to take a silver coin and put it at the bottom of the bowl. And when you are catching the reflection of the moon on the surface of the water, have it come, tilt the bowl or move yourself is actually easier to do. Uh, so that the coin and the reflection are in alignment. So you are literally superimposing the reflection of the moon on top of the coin. That coin becomes charged with this energy. And this could be a coin that you utilize in work going forward when you are at a crossroads of a type um, where you are having to make a decision where you know that your biases around negative experiences are going to come into play or you're um, working on your big plan coming forward uh, or what have you, right? Like think about the things that are presenting themselves as our subject matter this week. This is an opportunity, I think a cool one to create a divinatory tool, which is appropriate for this time of year um, in making some of the decisions that we need to make around that stuff. Um, and again, you don't have to do the coin part. You can just charge a bowl with water and then bottle that water and use it for whatever you want to use it for to bless yourself, to water your plants, to bless other items in your house, um, to use in cleansing practices. Although this is waxing moon. So it's really about infusing energy into things, not stripping energy from things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my magic for you for this week. Um, and I think it's, uh, Pretty, pretty cool, pretty potent stuff. Okay. Here is our roundup for the week. Starting Wednesday, the 30th, uh, we have our waxing half moon at eight degrees of Pisces at 6.36 a.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. At 9.27 p.m., uh, we have Venus in Sagittarius oppose Mars retrograde in Gemini at 18 degrees. December uh, 1st, Thursday, we have at 5.08 p.m. Mercury in Sagittarius square Neptune retrograde in Pisces at 22 degrees. And then at 7.09 p.m. we have Venus in Sagittarius sextile uh, Saturn in Aquarius at 19 degrees. And then the moon moves into Aries. Friday the 2nd, nothing in particular. Saturday the 3rd uh, at 10.08 p.m., we have our gibbous moon at 27 degrees of Aries. We also have at 4.15 p.m. Uh, Neptune stationing direct at 22 degrees of Pisces. And at 11.12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, obviously, uh, Venus in Sagittarius square Neptune in Pisces at 22 degrees. And exactly at the same time, we have uh, Sun in Sagittarius trine Chiron retrograde in Aries at 12 degrees. Sunday the 4th, the moon moves into Taurus. Uh, Friday, excuse me, Monday the 5th, we have at 11.05 p.m. Uh, Mercury in Sagittarius, square Jupiter in Pisces at 29 degrees. And Tuesday the 6th, our moon moves into Gemini. At 2.08 p.m., Mercury moves into Capricorn. So... Uh, take care of yourselves and take care of each other this week and allow yourself to have 
as earnest of a conversation with yourself as you can. The more that we see ourselves as honestly as possible, especially warts and all, the more agency we have to either get comfortable with who we are as people or the more agency we have to do something about the things that we see in ourselves. Do we want to change something? Do we want to eradicate something? Do we want to lessen? Do we want to increase? That first starts with being very, very honest with yourself, unveiling the poison within yourself, unveiling the yuck. Uh, you know, a therapist is a really cool person to talk to about that type of stuff. They are a neutral third party. And I mean like a real therapist, like an actual counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist. I, your witch on the web, uh, I'm a witch. I, I do not have that clinical training and I want to be really clear about that. I love working with people and we do the work that we do and there's stuff that I do that a therapist doesn't do, um, but there's stuff that therapists do that I don't do. Um, and I just always want to be very, very straightforward about that. Um, this could be a really fantastic time to get super real with yourself about um, where your poison is, where your wounds are, where your yuck is. Not even necessarily in a means of eradicating it, but coming to fully understand it, coming to love it. Because remember, it's the shit that makes the best gardens. And spring is just around the corner. But until then, let's keep dying off, shall we? <laughs> All right, my heathens, uh, that's it. Blessed be. Love you guys so much. Have a great week. Bye.